Today, I'm answering one of your questions about valuing businesses that are essentially real estate. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog, where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right. Just before we get into this uh, real estate business question, though, I want to let you all know that I asked a question of my email list the other day. Um, I have this new webinar software that I'm able to use because I've upgraded my, my StreamYard account. And so I asked my email list, what would you like me to deliver a webinar about? And the overwhelming uh, majority of people that sent in a response said that they would love to learn about raising investor money to help buy a business. And what's interesting about that is I've actually, I was already working on a new business buyer advantage module for that program about raising private investor money for your business acquisition. And so what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep working on that. I'm gonna finish things off. Uh, I've been working on it uh, on and off for a couple of months, but I'm going to deliver it in the form of a webinar and then record it. And then that will end up being the new module for Business Buyer Advantage. And so, but if you want to attend the webinar live, um, I'm going to make that open to everyone. Uh, it will only be promoted and advertised on the email list. So if you're, if you think you might be interested in that, sign up for the email list, go to davidcbarnettlist.com. And that link is always in the show notes down below. Uh, sign yourself up because when we get ready to launch that webinar, that is the only place I will be promoting it. Anyway, let's get to this question because it's a, it's a great question. Um, it comes in from Joshua and, um, Joshua asked me, Hey David, I love the content. Thanks, Josh. Um, do you already have a video you can refer me to on how to figure a business value where the value is the real estate? For example, marina, resorts, campgrounds, etc. Thank you. You know what? The... <laughs> This is why I finish a lot of my videos by asking you guys to comment and send in questions because I can I sit here all the time and I think I've been making videos for almost 10 years on this topic. I must have talked about everything. Well, guess what? I, I don't have a video on this topic. So thank you, Josh. And so I thought this is great. I'm going to I'm going to make a video um, because I have worked with people who've been buying and selling uh, hotels and motels, uh, special care homes campgrounds, gas stations, uh, mini storage facilities, uh, etc. And to Josh's point, these businesses are also real estate, right? You typically don't buy a campground uh, and not get the real estate. And, and I know that there are always exceptional circumstances, you know, like uh, I know of a hotel, for example, that is built in a national park. And so the people that own the hotel don't own the land. It's part of the national park. They have a lease concession agreement, for example. And so there are definitely exceptional circumstances, but for the, for the large part, 
uh, a lot of these types of businesses will include the real estate as well. So there is actually a sort of a relationship between the way that commercial real estate investments are valued and the way that some of these businesses tend to be valued from what I have seen over the course of time. Because whenever I have a, a client that falls into one of these categories, what the very first thing I do is I go and I delve into the different you know databases and, and other research sources that I have, and I start to read about the work that other people have done and their reasoning and try to understand why they, they've come up with a certain idea about how to put a value on them. And then uh, sometimes I'll actually come at it from more than one angle. So for example, you could have, for example, a gas station that is on property that is owned, but you can also have a gas station that's on leased property that exists as well. And so what I will do um, for a normal business, like if you were a retail store and you happen to own the building that you were in, um, what I would do is I would separate the business and the building by using an imputed rent figure. We would figure out what is this uh, retail space rent for, and then I would say, okay, now let's pretend the business was paying rent to a landlord who is an unrelated party. Now we can analyze the business. The value of the real estate is entirely you know, local based on local market conditions and the types of cap rates that investors are looking for. So when I look at the gas station, for example, whether it's on land it owns or not, I might try both angles if I'm able to get, you know, sort of a rent figure that makes sense. And I just, I want to see what the two different results are going to be. How different are they, right? Um, and at the end of the day, though, of course, it has to pass the cash flow test. It, it has to make sense. You have to be able to do this acquisition and make money at it because of the fact that you're taking on risk to make this sort of investment. So I'd like to begin today just by doing a quick recap for those that don't know, how is commercial real estate or rental real estate, even apartment buildings, for example, how are they valued? So in the world of real estate, what they do is they figure out a cash flow level that is often referred to as net operating income. Um, and so this will often have some budgetary figures in it, like uh, a budget for vacancy and a budget for management, right? And so the, the investor figures out this net operating income, and then you figure out what kind of capitalization rate that you want. This is the rate of return you want on your money. So for example, if you had a building with a net operating income of $100,000, and you required a rate of return of 10%, what you do is you take that 100,000, you divide by 0.1, which is the decimal of 10%, and the result of that equation would be 1 million. So if you are, your building earns 100,000 and you require a 10% rate of return, you're willing to pay a million dollars to get that building, right? Makes sense? And so if we convert that cap rate of 10% into a multiplier, Essentially, what we're saying is that the investor is willing to pay 10 times the net operating income, okay? So for example, if the investor was willing to have a rate of return of 5% or a 5% cap rate on that same $100,000, if you take 100,000 divided by 0.05, then the result would be $2 million. So in that instance, someone would be willing to pay 20 times net operating income. 
And the reason why I'm converting these from cap rate decimals into multipliers is because in this conversation that we have about business valuations, we're almost always talking about multipliers, right? You know, what multiple of cash flow? It's, it's just a different way of framing the conversation that we have over here in this small business world. So when I go and do research, for example, on hotels and motels, what I will often find is that I'll see things where it will say that, you know, a motel will typically go for between eight to 11 times EBITDA. Now, instead of net operating income, which is a measure of cash flow that the people in the real estate world are using, over here in the business world, we're using EBITDA. And, you know, what does EBITDA include? Well, it includes, you know, the, the pay for the manager, for example. And so, you have to make sure you don't confuse EBITDA with SDE, and I've made many, many videos about that. And so when I you know, read other people's comments that have worked on these cases, what will they say? They'll say if it's like an independent non-flag motel, then it might go for the lower end of that range. If it is you know, really top-notch and beautiful and has nice amenities and it's got a, you know, a brand that everyone would recognize, um, then it might go for the higher end of that multiple. Now, you might be thinking, hey, a normal small business goes like three, three and a half times EBITDA. Like, how can anyone afford to pay 11 times EBITDA? Well, the key behind that, of course, is the fact that when you have real estate attached to the business, all of a sudden it opens the door to leverage that can be amortized over a much longer period of time. So instead of trying to figure out how to pay the business off in, you know, six, seven, or 10 years, depending on where you live and, and what financing is available. Now we're talking about loans that we can put over 20 or 25 years, for example. And that's how we can get the cash flow to work. The other important thing about real estate when we're considering uh, businesses, uh, businesses that are real estate, is that the real estate can have an effect of putting a floor on the price. So what do I mean by that? Well, you know, you could have a really unsuccessful bed and breakfast, for example, or country inn, in, uh, you know, around here where I live, there's plenty of old sea captains homes that, you know, are on these picturesque locations up on the cliff overlooking the, the roaring ocean below. And, the you know, it's very beautiful and people go, wow, what a great place to stay. But the reality is you can only charge a certain amount of money for a room stay. And if you only have like seven rooms, you could be maxed out at your occupancy during tourist season, which around here is like 10 to 12 weeks. Um, and at the end of the day, this endeavor will never make sense as a business, right? You, you're never going to have an amount of cash flow that is going to be anything more than just a job for the people that own it and live there and get to be the innkeepers, right? But that building that old sea captain's home is going to have a certain value because there may be people that want to buy it and just turn it into their home, right? And so you could have, for example, uh, one of these bed and breakfast operations. And on paper, if you looked at the EBITDA, the EBITDA might be zero or negative because, you know, really maybe there's an SDE of 50 grand. And the people that own it and run it are happy with that because all of their living expenses basically get to be written off as part of the business's expenses right? The food, the power bill, the heating, all of that stuff is now business expense. So they're happy with it, but it would never really make sense from a business point of view for me, for example, for me to invest and buy that thing and then pay someone to run it, I wouldn't come out ahead. But 
a real estate agent might say, I can sell that for one and a half million dollars because there are people who are willing to pay that for this kind of property at this location, right? So, so these businesses can often have these artificial floors on their value based upon where the real estate is. So you could have a crummy little rundown motel that was built 60 years ago just outside of the main uh, you know, Las Vegas Strip, and it could honestly be worth quite a lot of money because someone may actually just want it to tear down and redevelop the site because all of a sudden land values have changed dramatically. And so, so this is something that can sometimes skew the market for these types of things. Um, people like these businesses because of that real estate value, because you get to lock in the fact that um, your costs are going to be controlled. You're not going to have a landlord increase your rent over time. Uh, it really does create a two-pronged investment strategy where you can have the operating entity you know, producing that cash flow for you, but you're also making a long-term bet on the capital appreciation of the property, much in the same way that people approach investing in rental properties of every variety, right? And people always talk about these two different ways that you can you can make the business, um, make the investment work for you. Um, the one big difference though, of course, with a business is that there's often more in the way of opportunities to increase um, to increase the cash flow. So for example, um, you know, I mentioned the bed and breakfast, right? So you could have that bed and breakfast, but then you could create all kinds of other experiences, for example, that you could then charge premium amounts of money for. You could increase the revenue of that business without really doing much to the overhead expenses of the business. So there's a lot more opportunity to leverage operational aspects like we find in every business out there um, versus, say, an apartment building where... You know, sure, you can make the apartments nicer and raise the rents, but there would be a big capex uh, expense related to that. Anyway, um, and so across the spectrum of a lot of these different real estate businesses, I've often found this EBITDA trading range to be kind of approximate. You know, um, it's it's got to make sense though. So at the end of the day, you have to do a cash flow forecast, and you have to look at it and say, does this make sense? for me to put in my down payment, my equity, for me to you know, sign on with <clears throat> the bank loan or whatever leverage you're using, um, is it gonna be able to service the debt and create enough of an extra cushion of cash flow for me to take into account the capital reinvestments I'm gonna have to make? Remember, EBITDA doesn't include CapEx. So if you buy that motel at 10 times EBITDA, after 10 years, you're gonna to have to start replacing carpets and furniture and all that other kind of stuff. And those investments come out of EBITDA. So you need to have a budget for that as well. Anyway, Joshua, thanks so much for the question. If, uh, if you have bought one of these businesses and you have anything to share, please put it in the comments down below. I'd love to hear your stories and feedback about um, one of these types of businesses that you may have invested in. And um, if it's something that you are really keen on, there are other creators out there creating content about most of these categories specifically. There's a, a gas station guy I follow on Twitter. I know that there's a bunch of YouTube channels about mini storages, for example, which would be another one of these businesses which are real estate. Um, and so there's a lot of this stuff out there. And with that, I'll say thank you very much and we'll see you later. Bye. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses? easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, 
where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I've prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you. Are you still there? Good. Because there's something else I wanted to amend on the end of this video. And that is simply that within certain categories of these real estate businesses, there are other sort of rules of thumb or methodologies that have been applied by different people. So for example, in the hotel motel space, uh, I know of a lender who kind of specializes in this industry and they will actually base their loans based on being willing to, um, to lend a certain dollar value per room, right? And so that's another thing that you will often see in the world of uh, residential real estate investing. You'll see people that will say, uh, I value these rental properties at a certain amount per door, meaning by the apartment. And so that same kind of idea can sometimes exist in these other things too, like, like in hotels. So they, these guys in particular are willing to lend a certain amount per door to people that are buying these, uh, these motel properties. Anyway, thanks for sticking around. We'll see you later.